Success stories and interviews with game changers and thought leaders who have overcome both in life and in business. Welcome to Vertical Momentum. Hey guys, welcome back to Vertical Momentum. I am your host, Richard Kaufman, also known as the Comeback Coach. Guys, this is going to be a fun episode, but it's going to be a very serious episode at the same time. We're going to have one of my friends. We just became friends, and I'm blessed to have him in my life. Uh, He's coming out with a brand new out this week called We Got Your Six. So that should be coming out. We're going to talk about it. Danny, what's up, my brother? Hey, Richard. How you doing, man? Oh, man. Every day is a good day. I'm above ground. How about you guys? All right. We're doing great. Doing great. We're really excited about the uh, movie uh, having its world premiere this week. Uh, Thursday um, at the uh, film festival called Prize Fest. If uh, you want to watch the movies online and vote for best film, you can go to prizefest.org slash film and get an online ticket. All right. So so let's learn a little bit about where are you from, where did you grow up, and what kind of little kid was Danny? Oh, well, um, I grew up in Buffalo, New York, and when I was about 13, uh, my father, um, he was laid off for a few years at General Motors, and when I was 13, he, they offered him a, his job back and moved down to Shreveport. So um, that's where I moved, to Shreveport, Louisiana. Um, as far as being a kid, you know, it's, it's just normal kid. I love playing sports. Uh, I love, love playing Army. I always knew I was going to be in the military. Everybody knew I was going to be in the military. Um, and then uh, when uh, I played some sports in uh, – in junior high and high school, football and track. And then um, when I turned 17, after my junior year uh, in high school, I um, joined the Army National Guard. I went to basic training um, the summer after my junior year, and I came back, finished my senior year in, in um, high school, and then went back and finished my infantry training at Fort Benning, Georgia in, uh, in 1990. So I love to hear people's recruiting stories. Talk to us about your recruiting story. Mine was actually very simple. I'm the one that hunted down the recruiter and, um, you know, I can't wait to go. I can't wait to go to base training and stuff, all that. Uh, so it, it was actually him telling me, okay, calm down these, these things. Cause I'm 17 years old. I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to walk in the office and, uh, you know, raise my right hand and I'm, I, you know, get my orders. Uh, and he's what, no, this takes a couple weeks, you know, calm down. But that's when I went National Guard. Um, in 1993, I decided to go back to active duty, and I was on active duty uh, for about 11 years. So, out of everything you could have picked, why infantry? Um, that's every member of my family that's uh, that's been in the military has always been in um, combat arms. Uh, my grandfather, he came over from Italy. Uh, he joined the Marines um, and went, you know, infantry. Um, so this just kind of felt like that's what I should do. But that's also, that's the job that, um, you know, you always see the the hard life, the, the challenges. And I'm, I grew up as someone that really tried to challenge myself all the time. And uh, the infantry day, again, I'm sure did that. I'll tell you that. Now, did you think about going, you know, ranger or anything like that? Yeah, so I wound up being a mortar, and mortars are very difficult to get ranger school because in the army, um, they uh, they think only eleven bravos, which is you know straight riflemen, should go to ranger school. 
Um, matter of fact, my 11 years active duty, I only uh, met five um, 11 Charlie mortars that uh, actually had the Ranger tab. And two of them, uh, when they got the Ranger tab, were switched back to 11 Bravo. So um, I did uh, try out for Special Forces and I uh, passed the, the physical fitness test. I passed all the tests. And um, right before I was to report to uh, selection, um, they I got kicked out of the infantry my last couple of years. I spent um, uh, doing another job because they said I lost too much hair in my right ear. So when the when they did an MMRB on me, what's called MMRB um, Medical Review Board, um, the recruiter said that he had to pull my packet because he couldn't justify sending me to Special Forces. They couldn't keep me in the infantry. So uh, I did try for that, and unfortunately, it didn't work out the way I planned. So you know, there's that. Well, unfortunately, you know, like Mike Tyson says, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Oh yeah, yep, absolutely. So you traveled all over the world. You were deployed multiple places, correct? Yes. Yeah, I uh, I served combat tours in uh, Desert Storm and Iraqi Freedom, um, and then uh, I was also in hostile tours in Panama, Bosnia, and Korea. Uh, and then when I got out, I worked as a contractor as a diplomatic bodyguard for the State Department and a presidential bodyguard as well. Uh, I did 18 months in Afghanistan and five years in Iraq. So now, how many years did you do total in the military? Um, 11 active duty and six in the National Guard and Reserves. So why, you know, if you're, you're looking at probably, what, 17 years? Yes. Um, you know, usually in the military, we know that once you, you hit your 10-year mark, you might as well do the full bitch. If you're right, going yeah. to do 10, you might as well do 20. You're, yeah. So what was your thought process in getting out? Well, so when I got out of active duty, I went back into the National Guard, but my National Guard unit was in Washington. It was a specialized unit that uh, they were sending hackers out to the field, but they're bringing you know, 11 Bravos to guard, to you know guide them. It was just stuff that we were experimenting with in Afghanistan. Well, I was working overseas and I lived down here and I would just fly up there for, for drill. And I was trying to get my um, my reenlistment uh, done for my last three years, and it wasn't done in time. So I wound up being honorably discharged out of the National Guard. And then it was trying to get back in that you just ran into difficulties once you're out at that point. And I think it's kind of like the military doesn't want to pay you <laughs> retirement. So I think that had mainly had something to do with it. But I couldn't. Um, it was trying to get back in after I had been released. So, and plus I was still working in Iraq at that time too. And a lot of units didn't, weren't accepting uh, people that couldn't be, couldn't make each uh, drill. Now, you know, once you got out for working for, you know, contracting, when you finally stopped contracting, did you know something was a little bit off mentally? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, if you, if you knocked on my door and I'm not expecting anybody, I'm going to answer the door, but I'm going to have a gun behind that door. Um, and it was stuff like that. Uh, you know, driving down the road and there's only one trash bag on the side of the road. So I would drive in the oncoming, uh, in the opposite lane, obviously safely would, you know, um, without causing an accident, but because I, I think that's a roadside bomb in there or something like that. Um, 
There's also a, a ringtone on, um, on iPhones that sounds a lot like the counter, we call it the CRAM. It stands for counter rocket and uh, mortar alarm. Uh, it sounds extremely close to that. And some people have that as a ringtone. And the second I hear that, I automatically think we're getting a rocket attack. And then I stop and think, well, last time Shreveport had a rocket attack was in 1864. So, you know, I think I'm pretty safe. But yeah, it definitely took a adjusting and getting used to it. Now, a lot of like myself um, have post-traumatic PTS, um, and unfortunately, it led me to the bottom of a liquor store. Uh, I mean, a, on the bottom of, of a, a liquor bottle. Did right. you struggle with anything like that? Um, not really, and that's. I mean, I still keep kept the whole. Just like in the military, every Friday and Saturday night, everybody gets drunk. Um, one of my things was um, I, I still, and even to this day, I still wake up. I start PT at 06, um, you know, and I work out. Uh, right now with a back injury I got from being a police officer, um, it's not as intense as I used to. Uh, I think one of the things that um, I did um, is I always kept myself busy. And that was the main thing. Like, um, you know, I when I came back, I, did the bodybuilding circuit for a while. Um, you know, I made candles and soaps, anything. I just kept my mind busy because I noticed that when um, when I didn't, then I started falling into depressed mood and maybe wanted to have a drink and then maybe start drinking earlier and earlier. And I would even go to a point that, you know, okay, if I'm gonna drink today, I can't drink before four o'clock because I was afraid of, uh, of you know, having alcohol problems. So, you know, it's, but I think maintaining a busy schedule, maintaining the dedication to working out in the gym every day uh, is something that prevented that me from, uh, that happening to me. Now, how did you get into the acting field? <laughs> That's actually a very funny story. Um, I wound up taking a couple of civilian SEER schools. Um, SEER stands for Survival, Evasion, Resistance, and Escape. And what, the idea of the school is, is that if you get uh, captured, uh, it teaches you how to uh, how to evade or escape, um, get out of restraints and stuff like that, handcuffs or rope, getting tied up with rope. It teaches you how to get out of that. It teaches you uh, uh, how to evade getting captured, but then ultimately how to handle um, being questioned if you are ever captured. I went to a civilian one, uh, civilian wilderness school, and then a civilian urban your school and in when you're getting questioned they really do slap you around um they tased us you know we're handcuffed to a tree uh it's like one of them the wilderness one it was in uh march and we were in arkansas it was pretty cold and the first thing they did is spray me down with water uh just keep me cold and stuff like that well i passed but i could even tell i couldn't tell a lie very well um, so I got into acting in order to be able to tell a convincing lie in case I ever got captured. And I just want to be pretty good at it. So, um, talk to us about, is it easy to start learning how to be an actor? Is it a big field? Is there a lot of people that are doing it now? Oh yeah, there's definitely a lot of people. Um, and I, 
you know, get auditions all the time. And, you know, and I've done auditions for Walking Dead. I've done auditions for Marvel. Uh, I've uh, done auditions where um, for scenes with like Tom Cruise and stuff like that. But it's so saturated. You know, so many people out there that uh, it's just hard to get casted. I mean, they're only looking for the best, um, you know. So and sometimes it, it comes down to how you look, how tall you are, what your body frame is like stuff like that. So um, it, it's different because it's never, it's something I've never done before. So I think I was able to immerse myself in it, trying to learn as much as I can, but you are literally, you know, taking on another character that's besides your own personality. Um, and there's a lot of memorizing lines, you know, that, you know, you really have to do um, for this last movie. I think um, each one of our monologues was like two minutes long and, you know, we, and, you know, as a character, that's just one monologue. You got to memorize the entire scene. Plus, you got to memorize everyone else's lines so you know when to start talking. When you know when they end their uh, their um, their lines and when it's your turn to, to say something. So, it's it's challenging. I'll definitely say that it definitely works on your your memory skills. Because well, you know, I know a lot of people who have, that have PTS, including me, I have a traumatic brain injury. Um, so what are some tricks that you've been taught to learn stuff, even if you have some PTS issues? So one of the things that, and, um, for whatever reason, I've always been able to, um, to remember lines pretty quickly. Um, and, uh, what I've always done is if I told you a joke today, um, one time, you're probably gonna remember that joke. Or if I tell you a story one time today, you know, you're going to walk away remembering 90% of the story. So when you're looking at your script, remember, you are telling a story. Um, you're telling a conversation. Uh, it, when we get done talking today, you're going to walk away remembering most of this conversation. It's the same thing. A lot of times people just get, um, get uh, hemmed up on the fact that they're looking at a bunch of words on a paper. But And one thing I found out is if I look at the, the script and then I put it away and I don't allow myself to touch it. Uh, I tend to realize that I remembered a lot more than I thought I would off of that. And that's because you are telling a story or you're, you are, you know, remembering a, a conversation that you, that you know, you're having. And that's, that's one trick. If you look at it like that, stop being intimidated by all the words on the paper, just kind of look at it that, you know, you're, you're telling a story. Is Ralph there? Oh, Rafe. Rafe? Is Rafe there? He's connected. Oh, hey. What's going on, brother? Can you guys hear me? Yeah, I hear oh, you. Oh, cool. How's it going? Charlie? Hello? Yeah, yeah we you. Cool. Hey, thanks for having me on. No, it's my pleasure. So how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm having uh, trying to work through some audio issues. It seemed good for the last five minutes, but I was uh, breaking up for a little bit, so... Hopefully we'll be good. I'm doing pretty good. So tell us a little bit about you. Well, I'm down in Nashville, Tennessee right now, just coming off a little uh, mini tour. Um, kind of just trying out the whole uh, musician life and seeing how it works out for me. And uh, I was really excited when I got the opportunity to write for that uh, film. And I think we wrote a song that's really cool. And I was happy that I could help uh, help out in that kind of cause because I definitely have uh, a family that is, you know, 
my entire family is based around or founded on people that were in the military. Not so much anymore. I don't have a whole lot of, I have a few cousins that are in the military, but you know, both my, my grandfathers are both in World War II. One was in the Pacific and one was in the, in Europe, you know? So yeah, what, uh, kind of, what kind of music do you play? Oh, I play uh, country, rock, a um, little bit of folk, kind of all the above. It's kind of coming together into like a, its own little genre from the stuff we cut this week. Uh, we did three songs this week and it's all kind of groovy, kind of Chris Stapleton crossed with John Mayer crossed with Delbert McClinton, kind of a groovy genre of its own. So. I'm a big Chris Stapleton guy. I just love his voice. There's yeah, something he's a legend. And you know, one thing I love about country music is I love the storytellers. You know, that's one. You know, that's why I'm a big Travis Tritt guy. You know, I love I love old storytellers. So, what was it, the the song that you wrote for this uh, for the score? It's called "A Place to Fall," and um, I sat down to write that song. I think it was a lot of it was a lot of themes that I'd kind of had in the back of my mind and they kind of all came out at once. Um, I would say it was about 50% that and 50%, you know, the fact that I had just watched uh, the short film and then wrote it. And so it was kind of fresh in my mind. And I think uh, really the line in the song that the film, I guess, really brought out was um, you'd never even understand. And that was kind of the, the premise upon which I wrote the song was because a lot of people would never understand and they don't, they really just don't get it. And I, I would count myself among those people because I, I've never been in the military. I've never seen, I've never had shots fired at me. I've never lived that life, but there's people that I'm very, very close to that have. And, and you can tell just from talking to those people that you just, you'd never understand unless you're in their shoes and so you so how did, the how did you they would feel face, you know? so how did you feel after watching the movie now did you watch the movie first and then write the song i did yeah actually i think i wrote the song um pretty shortly after i watched the movie i sat down a, a zoom call with emma which is a girl who's singing it and very shortly after i watched it probably a half hour an hour after i watched it and what did you um get out of the movie what 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 touched your soul i think it was really just a whole bunch of different experiences and everybody shared their story and it kind of goes to show how you know people have this picture that they have of being in the military and they kind of paint it with this broad brush and they think well this is what happens and you know this is the thing these are the types of types of things that cause pts and these are the types of things that you know you're going to experience if you're on the battlefield and really, it's such a, a broader spectrum of things that could put potentially affect you down the road mentally. And that's really what I, I guess I learned from the movie, too. Things you wouldn't really think um, could affect you are the things that, you know, you just can't get out of your head and that people don't really understand unless, like I said, they're the ones living it, you know. Yep. Resiliency is uh, a lot of people don't understand and how important it can be right. so danny talk to us about what the process was and why you thought you should uh write your own movie 
Well, I've actually been writing my own movies for a couple of years. One of the reasons why is because I always get casted as either a cop or a serial killer. There was like zero. <laughs> so um, what I had to do to, to let direct other directors and other actors see me as other characters that I started writing my own movies. Um, so this one, uh, I actually wrote a while back and I didn't plan on using it ever because it's just extremely emotional. Uh, but then uh, back in February, I had two more of my brothers that I uh, served with. Uh, they killed themselves two weeks between each other. Um, you know, and, you know, it's, and they knew each other. So, you know, the, the, the one, you know, knew that the other just killed himself and two weeks later he killed himself. And as the group was still mourning one, we had a second one. And I said, well, you know, I have to do something. Um, and as an actor, you know, you, you have an obligation to tell the story that people need to hear. Um, so that's why, you know, I did this, this story, uh, which is basically about four vet, four troubled veterans as they embark on experimental type of group counseling. Um, and as Rafe had mentioned, each one tells their, their own story. Uh, as I mentioned before, they each has a monologue and it kind of goes into detail and it, it shows two things or the objective was to show two things to civilians that, uh, that haven't served. It kind of shows, you know, when, when you're talking to a veteran, he might, he or she might be all happy and go lucky and whatever, but those are the thoughts in the back of their head uh, that they can't get rid of. But the other objective of the story is that for us veterans, we need to police up our own. Uh, if we're expecting the VA to do it, well, you can keep waiting. We have to police up our own, check on each other, make sure everybody's okay. You know, uh, if you need to talk to someone, talk to them um, that, you know, Asking for help is not a sign of weakness, it's a sign, a sign of strength. Um, it's, it, and I hear it's different now than when you and I were in, Rich. Um, when we were in, if you tried to go to mental health, you had your clearance taken away, you know, no one wanted to work with you because you had mental issues, you know, you're barred from reenlistment, you're barred from um, promotion, you're barred from banned any favorable activity. And now uh, I'm hearing that it's not like that, you know, so. If you if you need help, ask for help. Get fixed, and then come back stronger. You know. You know, and I and I love that. Now, I've had a plenty of female veterans on because first thing when a person say veteran, first thing you think of is male. Right. But now we have so many females that are struggling with regular PTS, and then a lot of them. Now, now, this is just statistics from last year. 20,000 um, veterans filed complaints for sexual uh, assault. Yep. Now, knowing that only 10% file, think of that number. That's a crazy number. That is. But also think that out of those 20,000, 7,000 were men. And only 1% of men report. So now, how was it talking to a female veteran and getting their perspectives on PTS? 
So when I, uh, some of the stories are mine and some um, uh, were donated. Um, and I did change up names and stuff like that. Unfortunately, I, when, I, when I wrote this story, I found it incredibly difficult to get people to, because everyone says, yes, you know, I want to donate a story. I want my story told. But I guess thinking about the story made them, you know, anxious, whatever. And I you know, didn't get as many as I, uh, I wanted. That's why I don't have any uh, stories from females. I do have a female uh, actress that plays a veteran. And she tells a story that was actually donated to me by by uh, a male, but it has to deal with uh, a child. And you know, I realized when I was actually typing out the monologues um, that I had thought that if I get some stories from veterans, it won't be as bad as you know writing down one of my own. Come to find out, it's about the same because you know there's. Similar, we all have extremely similar experiences. Um, so I found out that that you know it's it still bothered me just the same when I put it on a paper. But as far as getting stories from female veterans, I did not. Uh, I reached out to as many as I could, um, but I did not get any stories from females. Now, obviously, making movies is very can be very expensive. So did you self pay for all this stuff yourself? Uh, actually, I was actually able to raise uh, $1,200, which was about half of what I needed. Um, that's not usually like my first movie I made, um, which was back in uh, 2018. It was called Warrior Spirit. Um, and that dealt with uh, uh, a veteran here with uh, his PTSD through boxing. Um, when there's a cool little twist at the end, but um, that cost about $10,000. I was able to um, get a lot of volunteers this time uh, that I didn't have to pay as much uh, of my own money, but uh, I, it usually goes, depending on what, what all you're trying to do, it'll go between three to 3000 to about $10,000. But so about half of that uh, came out of my own pocket. Yeah. So now, how how long is the movie in in total? So the one for this film festival, which um, has to be no longer than fifteen minutes, uh, we're going to release on November first. We're going to release uh, a longer version that's about twenty three minutes, and that's really the whole movie. For this, uh, to make fifteen minutes for this film festival, um, we had to cut out a scene and uh, where the counselor goes in to talk to the director and he gets briefed on the, uh, on the experiment and, um, and each one of the veterans. What we had to cut that scene completely, go straight to the counseling session. And we did a flashback of the background of each veteran as, as the counselor said his name and flashed it back to uh, when the director is briefing him on, on the veterans and, um, and their backgrounds. So now, when is it? How do we find it? How do we? Um, how can we support your mission? What you got going on? So, um, besides uh, getting a, a ticket to view online uh, at PrizeFest.org/film um, on November first, we're gonna it'll be on uh, Vimeo. 
we're going to release it uh, the longer version, the 23 minute version to the public, and it will be uh, it will be free of charge. This is something that I really want everybody to uh, to watch. That's why I'm uh, on November 1st. I'm going to make it free. The reason why I'm pushing the film festival is that there is a $25,000 grand prize, and if I do win the grand prize, I'm going to after I pay off my cast and crew, I'm donating the money to uh, two of the local um, nonprofit organizations that help veterans with PTSD. One is called the Every Warrior Network, and the other is called Woody's Home for Vets, and both uh, help local veterans deal with PTSD in this area. Okay, so I want to put this out on the same day that it releases. So what day is the first release? Uh, it, right now, you can watch on, online, uh, like I said, prizefest.org slash film. Um, you can watch online, and then you um, you have to watch all 20 films. Um, they're all short films. The longest film is 15 minutes, uh, so they're all short films. And then you can vote for the best movie, best actor, best actress. And when is your when is this date? When is um, when do you when would you want this promoted? Uh, as soon as possible. But um, again, we're going to be releasing the uh, the the longer version on November 1st. And again, the movie is called We Got Your Six. So if you type that in in Vimeo, uh, you can watch that on November 1st. And that'll be the longer version. Okay, so that's what I'll probably do so I can hype it up for, for a while before ahead of time sure. so we can sure. get people excited about it. You know? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Now, um, the, the online version uh, for the festival, the online uh, portion of the festival, that starts today and ends Saturday at midnight. Okay, so Raf, how can we support you, brother? Um, you know, man, just gives many people who watch the movie. I think we've got a killer song, and it's an awesome movie. And I think the more people that watch it and listen to the music, the more people uh, we can reach, the better. You know, but as far as my own personal music endeavors, I'm on Instagram at Rafe Carlson, R A F E Carlson, and that's kind of my home base uh, for all the stuff I'm doing. So I'm kind of touring the country right now, little trips here and there. So. Lots of live music, lots of new releases coming out. So stay tuned right. and uh, should be fun. All right, guys. It's been a pleasure. Um, I, I appreciate you guys. We're going to get this pushed out so we can save as many lives as possible. Guys, if you're listening to this, definitely check it out. We got your six. That's one That's one of my favorite sayings of all time. And I always tell everybody, I got your six and I actually do. I'll actually pick up the phone when a lot of people won't. So, guys, thank you so much for what you're doing. Thank you for um, everything. Thank you for changing lives. Even if you save one life, it's changing the world. Absolutely. All right, guys. Thank you. Have an amazing night. You too. And shout out to Danny for putting this whole thing together. It was yeah, awesome. Danny. I'm glad I got to Woo. work on it. Another, yeah, Italian, so much, Travis, Rich. another Italian boy doing a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Have a great night. Thanks, you guys. Right. See ya. Thanks. Thank you for joining us today please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.